Welcome to Identity Church Sunday Morning Message, where sonship is revealed. Stay tuned at the end of this message to receive more information about resources available through Identity Church. Now grab your Bible, sit back, and enjoy a message from Identity Church that is already in progress. So, this was an interesting trip. It wasn't my first time to the mission field, but it was my most meaningful so far. Last time I went was 20 years ago. It was a similar kind of trip from a carpentry standpoint, and it was in the Bahamas. But it was entirely with a group of people I knew. Um, I said going down that I was going to plant a seed for us, Identity Church, at Senda De Vida. That's what I felt like I was doing. And um, Friday night, I was talking to one of my new buddies, Walt Robbins lives in Mississippi, who was, him and I were the saw guys on this job. He did most of the smart work I just measured. And um, we were talking about potentially going back in March. And we were talking about focusing on Senda De Vida and not going out. And he said, I'm a firm believer in Matthew chapter 13. And I feel like we really need to plant a seed and send it to Vita. And it really resonated with me because since I got home, it's what I've been praying about. And um, after I got done with that phone call, I realized that I thought I was going to Mexico to plant a seed. But what I did was I went to Mexico and God planted a seed in me. I was the dirt, not the farmer. So there's three components to this scripture. There's the farmer or the caster of the seed. There's the seed and there's the ground. I have been now, finally, at age almost 58, all three of those things in the mission field. I've been the, I've been the seed. I've thrown money. I've, th I've been the caster. I've been the dirt and I've been the seed now. And there's a lot of different ways you can use this chapter. Um, it really kind of, I did not read this until yesterday because this really set me up when I, when I talked to Walt. So I, I think Walt will probably listen to this message. So Walt, I give you credit for that. Um, at least only, yeah, probably the only time. So now I have to balance a computer, a microphone, and a Bible. Yeah, well, we did this today so we could hand it back and forth because of our crappy sound system that's going to get fixed soon. Pray into that. Pray into that. All right, so I'm going to start. I'm going to read, uh, and she doesn't have any of these scriptures, so I got control. I thought I had control today, but I didn't. So um, Matthew 13, 3 to 9, I'm going to read from the Passion Translation. Consider this, there was a farmer who went out to sow seeds. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell into the gravel that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but then when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds, so when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants." But other seeds fell on the good rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even 100 times as much as, it, as it, he planted. So Jesus tells this to the disciples and to the many people who were with him. And as you know, the, the disciples said, well, Jesus, why do you always talk this way? And he goes, well, you're supposed to get it. You're closest to me. Everybody else won't get it yet, but they will. And then in uh, verses 18 to 23, he reveals the meaning. And I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm not going to read all this. I said I'm going to paraphrase this. I'm not going to read all this. So got seed that falls on the beaten path. My first thought about that was, well, at least the birds get to eat. But the birds is Satan in this, because he robs the seed. 
But you could turn that around and say at least the birds get to eat. So the seed never really goes to waste, is my point. Seed grown on the gravel, that's the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experiences remain shallow. Been there, done that. The seed sown among the weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions has divided his heart. We talked about division today, didn't we? One of the things that's really difficult about going on one of these trips is coming home. Those of you who have gone can attest to that. You come home and, first of all, you're not home yet. You're still there. Second of all, a lot of things irritate you about home that uh, maybe didn't irritate you before. For me personally, I had a lot of impatience. I, I had no time for people arguing and standing in lines. Uh, the day of travel, I was like so impatient. Um, all the whining last week about our country, I had no patience. So it's interesting. And then other things happen. Of course, the devil attacks you and you can, you're going to be tempted. You're going to get rocks thrown at you in the spirit and everything else. And, and if I ask the people here that have been out on mission field, they'll all have their own stories about that. But as for the seed that fell upon the good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. How many of you realize the kingdom is bigger than the United States of America? How many of you realize that probably most of the kingdom is a lot bigger than the United States of America? And that we are just a small, teeny, weeny, little partner. By the way, this, none of this is in my notes. Um, so I ask you, which ground are you? And I ask myself, which ground am I? We all want to be that good fertile soil. Am I always? Probably not. You can answer your own question on that. So why don't you go to the next, jump down to the next slide there. So where did we go? We went to a place called Senda de Vida, translated Path of Life. It was our home away from home, a spiritual sanctuary full of hope and love, taking care of, at this time, 140 refugees from Central America, Haiti, and Africa. Don't ask me how somebody from Africa got to the Mexican border, but they did. Now, who's got, uh, if Luke Scott was here, Luke could have hit a baseball from this place into the United States. Probably if you were a good soccer player, you could have kicked the soccer ball because it was right on the Rio Grande, and literally, Rusty took me up outside the walls, and we walked around and looked, and literally, there's Texas right across, right across the river. And there was no wall there, by the way. Um, for me, uh, all I did was get a taste of Senda de Vida. It was where we, it was our launching pad. We went in there, it was our safe place, we slept, we did get to meet the people, we ate there, we got up and we went to work every day, and we went to work 20 minutes away. So most of my time, waking hours, were spent elsewhere. So when I say I want to go back and I want to focus my efforts here more, it's because I realized I, I missed something on the first trip. Um, we went every day, you can go to the next slide, Susie. We went every day to a place called March 23rd. Mexico is not very original in the way it names things. March 23rd was a squatter's camp. It was basically a junkyard that, um, and uh, it had been turned into a squatter's camp and there were shacks and shanties and a few decent houses and a church. And that's where we did all our construction work. It's about 20, 25 minute ride from Santa Vida, all of which was really in Reynosa, just to give you a feel. 
You can go to the next slide, Susie. There you go. So every day, we kind of load up, and we would go do God's work and help others who had nothing and didn't realize it. One of the things I really saw here was a lot of hope and a lot of joy. There wasn't angst, not where we went. I asked a question. Um, so you're in this village. I really don't know how many people were there. When we had a church service there, they came out of the woodwork. I don't know if they all lived there when we had the church service or not. But I said to Rusty, I said, so you build a house for this family, and two shacks away, there's another family. Does that family get jealous and envious of the fact that we built a house for this family and not for them? Because I really wondered. And he said, no, it gives him hope. He told a story of the following the year before. Um, they had built a house for a family who the daughter had prayed because she had seen the family next door get a house built the year before. And she had prayed for 12 months, and they built a house for her family. Now, how do some people have asked me already? Well, how do they decide who gets a house? Well, um, Hector uh, is the is the pastor at Senda de Vida. His spiritual son Miguel is a pastor at March twenty third, and the pastor decides who gets the house, which I thought was pretty cool. He took it totally out of our hands. Now, you got to get the money together. So, in the natural, it costs nine thousand dollars to build one of these houses. We had one guy in one church in Mississippi pay for a whole house. I don't know, the other two got raised by donations from here, hither and yon. We sent some money to cover some of the expenses the church did. We sent about $500. Um, they don't always build three. They did this year. Some years they build two. They don't always build in this place. Sometimes they go and build in other places. So for the builders here, there's an opportunity to go do that the same week next this year. They do that one week a year. They do it in December between Christmas and New Year's. I'm not really a builder. I went on this, and i got to be honest with you, I mean, I come from a family of carpenters, but I went on this trip knowing that, you know, I'm a little overweight. I'm a little out of shape, my back, my knees. I knew I wasn't going to do everything I could have done 20 years ago on this trip. And I was in a ground crew. That was my job. I was a ground crew, which is needed. But else it got really sore. And I had days where I had some time where I, I got to take a break, guys. And I'd go, go take a break. And I'd go over and I'd sit on this big black Rubbermaid toolbox. I'd just sit there like this. And the house is behind me. The shack is over here. And in front of me is this desolate view of March 23rd. And I would just stare at it. And I would be like, what what is i would pray it, it just made me pray it made me i never have wept over a place like i wept over renosa senda de vida and march 23rd so on a personal level that really changed me so susie why don't you jump down one more so i had a Charlie laughed. He said, yeah, Rodney could sing his service or whatever. I had one of those Rodney moments on the trip. We were um, sitting in Hector's living room on Thursday. It was, our last, it, was our second, it was our last day before we went home, and those that were still there, it was our down day. And I'm sitting in there, and Rusty grabs uh, the lady who was our like minstrel, our little worship lady, and Mary Beth, and um, played her guitar. And he started to pick. And it was just kind of like a country western pick. And I was sitting there and I looked over and I go, go ahead and play. And I sang this song from my spirit about Renosa. And about a third of the way through it, a young lady recorded it. I'm not going to play it. But the point is, is that it had really gotten into me. And I didn't realize it. I didn't prepare to do that. I didn't know I was being recorded. And we got done and <laughs> Rusty looks over at me. <laughs> And then the lady that, that organized things, she goes, if I'd have known you had that in you, you would have been doing more with devotions at night. And I said, well, that's okay. And um, I told Rusty, I said, uh, we're going to do that again someday in a church. And he goes, yeah, I know we are. So 
out of that song was this phrase, kill my flesh, clear my soul, raise my spirit man up to go. So my flesh got killed. I was in pain. I was dirt tired every night. I sent Debbie one picture one night. I looked like I had been run over by a freight train. And, um, and I had showered and clean clothes on, and I was sitting there, and my eyes were all puffy, my face. She goes, she sends me something back like, wow, you really look beat. And I go, yeah. And, um, and so my flesh really, literally died. Um, also, all those things that I would do that would be fleshly, they never even came up while I was there. I mean, it just totally killed my flesh. My soul, my mind was so clear. For five days, I didn't think about the outside world. I only called home once to say hi to Debbie. I texted her a couple times. I really didn't. I intentionally, I didn't tell anybody other than you guys and a few people that I was going. I didn't broadcast it. I didn't want it on the devil's radar. I didn't, I wanted to just go and do this thing and I didn't know what I was doing. <sighs> and raise my spirit man up to go. Yeah, I come back recharged. And one of the things you have to do when you do that is you got to hang on to it. Or it could be a battery that's almost dead and it'll fade. I have to be honest with you. I'm trying to keep that battery charged. Um, today is helping that. What's coming will help with that. So go down to the next one there, Susie. So this is Hector and his wife, Mary Lou. Hector Silva de Luna. He is, an, I, as I see him, he is an apostle, he is a pastor, he is a mighty man, and she is a mighty woman of God, and they head up the ministry at Senda Davida. Hector and Rusty and Belinda have been in relationship for at least 12 to 15 years, it may be longer than that, I'm not really sure. Yeah, it's a long time. Their, their relationship predates Senda Davida, let's put it that way. And when Senda Davida started... God had told, it was a garbage dump. That's all it was. It was a garbage dump. And, it, and God said, I'm giving you this. this. The government didn't say they gave it to him. God did. And um, he said, um, Rusty, I want you to build me a church in the middle of this garbage dump. So Rusty and Belinda and a team from Mississippi, probably headed up by Pastor Scott Walker and his wife, they came down. I was about 12 years ago, I think, and they built this church in the middle of a garbage dump. And from there, the, some of the slides, I don't have a lot of pictures. Gary warned me. He said, Rodney, don't, don't show 30 pictures of your mission trip. Nobody wants to see that. Um, so Gary's not here, but he would appreciate me saying, giving him credit for that. But now it's a compound. It's a walled compound. There is a worship center. There is a kitchen. There is a community kitchen. There is, not by our standards, by the way, they cook over wood. Um, I think in the community kitchen they don't. Um, there are different lodging areas. There's a male dorm. There's a female dorm. There's some family dorms. There is areas for missionaries to stay in when they come down that is separate from the, where the refugees stay. And Hector's house is there. He lives up on the hill, kind of overlooking it all. And there's a soccer field that is kind of elevated on a plateau, and they'll play soccer. And if you kick the ball too hard in one direction, it goes in the Rio Grande. Um, and they do lose some soccer balls. I'm going to bring a soccer ball when I go back. Um, so the presence of God, I, you know, you think about it. Okay, you're staying every night in a place with 140 refugees. I never, ever felt threatened the whole time I was there. This place was so such a sense of peace. Now, there were some eyes on you at different times, um, but there was such a sense of peace there. Um, I did see the soul of Renosa while I was there, and, and there is hope in her dust. Now, in the background, behind everything, is the drug cartels. So there's plenty of evil there. The red light district is like, a third of a mile away from Santa Davida, and as Rusty explained it, there is only one way in and one way out, and you don't want to get you don't want to go in there by accident. It's a walled city within a city. So 
I got I got to see some things. Let's see what's the next slide here. All right, so go ahead and go to the next slide. There you go. So any good mission trip should have a scripture that is its call to duty, right? That'd be a good idea. Well, Scott and Chassie, the, the pastors that put together, that headed up the logistics of the team, uh, there he is uh, Rusty's spiritual son. He had been praying, he'd heard a message, and he got pointed out to Nehemiah 2.18. Second half of that scripture leads, let us rise up and build. And um, that became our call. We all got a shirt with that on it and a logo and stuff. It's kind of cool. Um, so we had devotionals at night, and um, that led me to kind of read that chapter and reflect on it. I'm going to share on that in a little bit. But um, that chapter spoke to things that I saw and the things that happened on that trip. How many of you ever built a stud wall? So you know if you do that, you cut a lot of boards that are the same length, right? Exactly. Who said that? 92 and 5 eighths. 92 and 5 eighths. We need, we need a bunch, 92 and 5 eighths. And then every once in a while, they would call out a different measurement because there's a window or a door or whatever, you know. And then our interior wall, the middle wall of the house was 10 foot tall. So that was 118. I found no decent spiritual meaning for 118. But Walt and I, we stood over this saw, you know, and here's a saw table. And I got a nickname. I gave myself a nickname on this trip because one of the things I did a lot, I had, we had to rip a lot of siding into different, we, there was no waste on building this house. So we had a lot of ripping to do and a lot of stuff. And my new nickname is C-Clamp. Because I spent a lot of time bent over a pair of sawhorses like this, holding a board while he would run a saw down it, and I'm getting showered in sawdust. I had my glasses on. I had enough sawdust in my ear one day to build a tree. So after like a whole morning of cutting boards, 92 and 5 eighths, and I measured most of them and he cut most of them. Once in a while, we switched places, but for the most part, that was my job. I said, well, what is the spiritual meaning of 92 and 5 eighths? He goes, I don't know, but we got to figure it out. Well, there's only one book in the Bible with 92 chapters in it, correct? Book of Psalms. So if you go to 92 and verses 5 and 8, and the Bible I had with me was the ESV. Now, don't read 6 and 7. It ruins it. It totally ruins this if you read 6 and 7. So 92 and 5 eighths. Take it completely out of context and has meaning. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. That's 92 and 5 eighths. So how great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. So, here's Rodney's interpretation of this. If my works are his works, and my thoughts are his thoughts, then I will be able to go deep and high with the Lord forever. My eyes were definitely opened to new depths about God on this trip. Here's some of the things, new depths and heights of God that I saw. I saw hope in a very different way. I saw faith Wow, we don't have faith. Not like Mexicans who live in a shanty do. Joy. I saw joy where there, where there, was a, there should have been none. I gained understanding, and I gained a kingdom wisdom. So that's some of what 92 and 5 eighths means to me. And it will always have meaning to me. So where are we here? All right, next one, Susie. I think you know these people. Next, That's 92 and 5 eighths, the next one. Aren't you not keeping up with me? I'm sorry, it's my fault. Nehemiah 2, 6 and 8, kingdom preparations. So you know those two, right? That's Rusty and Belinda with me in Mexico. Or it's probably ought to say that's me with Rusty and Belinda in Mexico. Um, they're the ones with the eternal passport. 
for that place. So some of you, has everybody here met them or remember they came in October? I got to see them be kings. It's pretty cool. They're kings in Mexico. What's a king do? Brings money, rules, brings provisions. They're apostles and kings when they're down there. I watched them on the first day. We had to go get lumber. We didn't have any lumber at the job site. Got to, you know, the preparations aren't done in advance. There's no place to store this stuff. So Rusty goes, come on, Rodney, I want you to go with us. Belinda says, you'll see stuff in Reynosa that you wouldn't normally see. And there wasn't anything else to do that morning. So I got to go with them, which was like a treat. <laughs> Belinda's got one of those women's leather backpack purses. And in that purse was $9,000 in $100 bills. And we pull up to the Cambio. And it was kind of like a Charlie and Susie moment, I told them, because it was funny, because just like Susie can sometimes be the money person in your relationship, Belinda is the money person in that relationship. And Rusty, no warning, just pulls up to the side of the street and got Hector with us. He goes, I need $2,000. He just looks over his shoulder. Like, he didn't give her any prep. It's all in her purse. It's buried. It's in a big stack. And she's out back there. You're in Mexico on Reynosa on a city street. You shouldn't be fanning $100 bills and counting out 20 of them in a van where everybody can see in. So we had to do that three times. You can only cash like $2,000 at a time because and convert it because of money laundering laws in Mexico. And you have to use a different person every time. So there was trust in this too because, okay, the first guy went in and did it and it was Hector. Of course, he trusts Hector. And he came out hand to him. So then we go and we went over and we dropped the tools off the job site. And... Um, one of the pastors over there, Pastor Miguel, who he's known a long time, he's going to go get $4,000 turned because apparently he had credit rating that would allow him to do that. And then we gave $2,000 to somebody else, and they did the same thing. So here he is. He's handing out money. Okay, guys, meet me at the lumberyard. Don't take a siesta on the way. I need you to get there so I can pay for this lumber. And it all came together. Now, the only thing that was a little off was Rusty telling all the guys, we're going to have lumber on the job site by 11, 10 or 11 o'clock. Lumber got there at 2.30. Um, and we got stuff done on the first day. So I got to see kingdom preparations. So I'm going to read you King Nehemiah 2, 6 through 8. And the king said to me, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river. Say beyond the river. I love it when pastors do that. Say beyond the river. Yeah, we were beyond the river. We were on the other side. So I'm going to backtrack a quick second here. It pleases the king, let letters be given me to the government of the province. 34 people, four different vehicles, hauling trailers, some with some contraband in them because you're not supposed to bring in like new clothes to give away and stuff like stuff that they gave away, meat, windows for the houses, all that came across the border and there were no issues with the federales. Now they didn't just wave us through, there was some talking, there was no money changed hands, everything, we had our papers from the king. So beyond the river, that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. I like to think that like that would be to Renosa. And to Asaph, the keeper, and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple. Well, we went to the lumber yard. And for the wall of the city, and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for. The good hand of my God was upon me. So I began to see our mission at work in Nehemiah 2, 6 through 8. So Susie, go to the next slide. So this is Hector in local government. Nehemiah 2, 9 to 10. Hector is also an apostle. He has favor with his local government. He has favor with the mayor and the wife of Reynosa and the governor of Temuco, wherever the name of the state is there. I'm sorry, it's Temagalpa, I think. 
And um, he has not always had favor. They have tried to shut him down in the past. And he always stood on what God said to him, that I'm giving you this land. And he would tell them that, and they would just look at him, and he would stand fast, and they would back down. So 9 to 10 reads, Then I came to the governors of the province beyond the river and gave them the king's letters. Now the king had sent with me officers of the army and horsemen, but when Sanbal at the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant heard this, it displeased them greatly that someone had come to seek the welfare of the people of Israel. Yeah, everybody isn't always happy when you're trying to help your neighbor. He has faced adversity along the way. He has beaten adversity along the way. So as you go, one more slide. So Nehemiah 2, 11 to 20, I'm not going to read all of it, don't worry. What has been and what will be? God has plans to expand Senda Davida. Verse 11 says, so I went to Jerusalem and was there three days. We were there three days and we built three houses. Then I arose in the night and I had a few men with me, and I told no one what my God had put into my heart to do for Jerusalem. Rusty shared some things with me while I was there about their hopes for the future of Senda Davida. Things that everyone else didn't know. Some people did. So I kind of got let in a little bit to the inner circle, which was really kind of cool. I inspected the walls of Jerusalem. The compound at Senda Davida is walled in. And to its west is vacant land more dump land that had been, it's been bulldozed. It used to be a squatter's camp. It's been bulldozed. And he, sa- and he said that the government is willing to give them that land. But they have to build, must be gods in here because I'm sweating. Um, so here's this whole dirty, I don't know, I don't know, it was at least five acres there. I don't know how much big it was. Ten acres? I don't know. And it's in this picture. So if you look at that picture, you see a black line in the middle? That's the river. That's rusty. The green at the top of the picture is America. The black soil behind his back to the left is this area of land, if I don't fall over, um, that the government wants to give Senator Davida. But, they got to wall it in, and they got to put a building on it. So it's going to take some effort, some planning, and some money. So come let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. Now, I didn't go and look up what derision means, but it can't be good. So what has been and what will be for me was captured in this That's just like three bites out of that whole ten verses. And I'm not standing here asking us to help them build a wall. That's going to be a kingdom effort. It's going to take many hands of money. They want to raise between 20 and 25 grand. Talked to Walt the other night. He's kind of heading up some of that effort. He said, I've already got $6,000 committed to it. And he told me the story about how he got a chicken farmer to do the last thousand. It was kind of interesting. He says, that last thousand's not solid yet, but I'm working on the guy, he said. So, what did we accomplish while we were there, and what comes next? Uh, This group of people from Mississippi... There, we were there. There was four states represented, Missouri, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Florida. I think I'm the first person from Florida that ever went with them. Most of the people from Mississippi knew each other or knew of each other. They weren't all from one church. They were from several churches. Uh, the Arkansas people knew Rusty and Blind Arkansas is right below Missouri, so it was natural. There was some connection there. Rusty brought six with him. His, his associate pastor and wife and daughter and boyfriend. So that was the sixth from, and I think some of those may have lived in Arkansas. There was other new people like me. There was people that it was their first time. There was people that had been there for 10 years running. It was an interesting group of people. 
very diverse, um, some good old boys, and some real carpenters. I mean, houses were built with generators and air, air guns, and it wasn't a hammer and nail job, excuse me, at all. We slapped up three houses, one 20 by 20 and two 20 by 30 in three days. They were dried in with a metal roof, doors and windows. Interior was um, not finished, just stud walls, bare, with electric roughed in and water up through the concrete. Now, where did water come from? Cistern. The cistern that this family had had an open top. They didn't even put anything on it. Water truck would bring in the water. They had electricity. It wouldn't run a skill saw. It wasn't enough juice to run a skill saw, but it'd run a light bulb. Probably ran a radio. Ours were concrete floors, yes. There were the, so the family that we built for, Rena and Luis and their four children, lived next door. They lived next door in a shanty. Um, their shanty was probably 10 by 20. Dirt floor, six people, four kids, uh, two rooms. I did not go in. Um, metal roof and a thatch roof. And where the thatch roof was, she could peel that back when she cooked over a wood fire that was in that little house. Chickens running around, some roosters. He, he, he did do cockfighting. He had roosters. It's part of their culture. Um, oh, I should tell my chicken story. You want to hear the, the eating crap story? You know, like if you're going on a mission, you got to eat, right? You got to eat something local or you're going to insult the locals, right? Do that in Ghana. Do that in Haiti. Yeah. So every day we brought a bag lunch and um, we got told the first day, well, we're going to have red chicken. The village is going to cook chicken for us. And I go, okay. So we go over. So I don't think I have a picture of it in here, but you know the like the round, like a barbecue walk that you would see it over a propane ring? Picture that over, Charlie probably has one. Picture that over um, a little wood fire filled with oil cooking chicken. Just pieces. There's chickens running all over this place, by the way. Um, I wondered I got a picture of a chicken, and I got a picture of the chicken. I wondered which if we ever ate that chicken. And um, it had like a red adobe spice on it. So the first day, you know, I grab a chicken leg, and I'm like, I know, God, I got to eat this, or I'm going to insult them. And there's 34 of us. Everybody's in line. Get their chicken, man. We got little plates. The little plates were like the white styrofoam hamburger plates. That must be the paper plate of Mexico. They were clean. They were new. Weren't washed or anything. Somebody asked me that. Well, did they wash them every day? Oh, no. And they gave you rice and maybe some raw veggies. Don't eat the raw veggies. And um, so the first day I ate my chicken leg, it was pretty good. So the second day, I a little braver. I ate my chicken leg and I ate some rice. And I'm eating that rice and I'm thinking, was this rice cooked in tap water? Or was it cooked in that cistern water, or was it cooked in bottled water? I hope they boiled it a long time, God. I only ate like three forkfuls, but it didn't bother me. So God either took care of it, or it was okay. So then on the third day, say the third day. There you go. On the, see, you didn't do it. I must not have that calling. On the third day, because I made fun of it, right? On the third day, I was hungry. And I missed my bag of lunch for some reason. I didn't eat it. I don't know where it was. Maybe it was somebody got it. I don't know. And um, we get over to the chicken feast. I get my plate, and there's tortillas on it, little masa corn tortillas. And there's chicken, and there's rice, and there's some veggies, which I still won't eat. And we all go into church and sit in a pew to eat. And so I'm saying, you don't wash. I'm sorry. For all the, for my daughter in the back row who is a germaphobe, you don't wash. You've been working in the dirt and the dust all day. You probably shook hands with four Mexicans. And you're going to eat. And I'm sitting there, and I am so hungry. I am picking chicken with my bare hands, putting it on the taco, scooping up rice, putting it in the taco, rolling it up, and shoving it in my mouth. I didn't eat the veggies, though. And about the third one, I realized, boy, you've come a long way since Monday. So that's my chicken story. 
Um, we did have people get sick on the trip, unfortunately. It was all water-related. You, you don't do anything with the water down there but shower with it. You don't, you don't consume it in any way. You don't wash your toothbrush with it. You don't soak your dentures in it because you'll get very sick. So uh, what comes next? Susie, could you play the video? We are for the hungry, searching for food, not knowing the source of their next meal. We are for the homeless, those without refuge, the immigrants with no place to go, suffering alone, 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 alone. We are for the families in Reynosa, children with basic needs unmet. We are for the broken souls, empty of eternal hope. We are the helping hands to all God's creation, so that the world will see that He is good. He is good. He is good. He is good. We are Senda de Vida. We are. We are Senda de Vida. So this video was put together by um, Kresha, one of the ladies on our team. And those are shots from our visit. So Susie, now you can do that last slide that's in the list there. Send a DeVita evangelism trip, says on the top of it. There you go. So that's the church, that, that little white building which is beyond the hangar that's there, is the, is the church that they built in the garbage dump. That's, it's, that's what it looks like today. I don't know what it looked like when they built it. But, um, so I came home wanting to go back. If I could make the money I make here, I probably would stay there a while. I don't know if my wife would like that. But don't answer that, honey. So we have an opportunity. There's three of them this year. I'm kind of focused on the first one, March 13th to the 17th. It's a short trip. It's a Saturday to a Wednesday. Saturday, either Friday and Thursday will be travel days, or Saturday and Wednesday will be travel days, and you'll only have three days on the ground. Where? Santa Davida. The team from Mississippi is definitely going back. I think Rusty and Belinda may be going back, especially since their um, Israel trip has been postponed to the fall. I haven't talked to them, so I don't know for sure. I don't. It doesn't matter. Um, this trip is going to be ministry-focused and evangelism-focused because of COVID and concerns down there. We talk, they're talking about it being more of a Senda DeVita trip and just staying on campus. Maybe let some people come in, but not going out into the community like they usually would. So that hasn't, you know, as I've been texting Pastor Scott, the coordinator, and he said, we just got to be flexible. And I haven't even talked to him about my heart, but my heart is to just do something in Senda, to just be in Senda DeVita for three days and interact with people and be able to hear their stories and to be able to help and be able to be part of that community. For me, that would be what, that's what I'm feeling God's tugging my heart to do. There is also a May trip uh, centered around Memorial Day weekend. I don't know the purpose of that trip. It's probably similar. The building trip that I went on is always the same week. It's the week between Christmas and New Year's. So there'll be an opportunity to do that if anybody wants to. So um, 
This is where the guy who went someplace stands up in front of you and says, you want to come with me next time? So we got time to figure that out, but we don't have a lot of time. So what I'd like to do is ask you to pray about it. Y'all have my phone number. Um, if you want to know more, you want to see my 40, my 127 pictures, you can. Um, something neat happened, though. When was it? Yesterday or the day before, Debbie, when I got the pictures? Did I tell you? Anyways, the day before. I, I come home from now. I have all these Mexican Facebook friends. I don't speak a lick of Spanish. But I got a translator. I got a translator button on my phone. Um, and so the lady that we built our house for was re name was Rena, or Reina. I heard it said both ways. In Spanish, how would you say R E Y N A? Would you say it Ray or Reina? Okay, so it was Reina. Okay. And we've messaged each other a couple times, and out of the blue, I think it was Friday, she messaged me, and and you know, how is my brother today? How is my hermano? Blah, 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 blah. I'm translating it. So I decide I'm going to start conversing with her in Spanish. I can translate my English into Spanish and type a Spanish sentence in Messenger, right? So I asked her how her new home was. And she starts sending me pictures. It was very fulfilling to see that they're in it and that they're using it. Now, it, it, you know, you get, they don't have the money for no drywall. They tore the siding off of one of the shanties and their interior walls were were plywood. They had a curtain over the doorway and you know, it was but it was a lot better. Oh my God. It's a thousand percent better than where they were. There was pride in, and then one one of her little back and forth with me, she said, Now all I need is paint. That, so that's where she was. So that really made my day to see that and to get that connection to know that there was you know, stuff going on afterwards, after we had left. Um, so, just like I said in November, when I talked to you, I'm going back. If y'all want to come with me, that'd be great. I'm going to get this guy down there eventually. He just doesn't know it yet. And you're not going to swing a hammer. You're going to Mexico. So I don't have a lot else. Um, God gave me a word today for Hector. I, I got in worship. I got to sit on it. I got to chew on it. Um, God showed me. It's funny on the way down there. Charlie tells me that I'm supposed to meet up with a pair of elders from some church in Texas that are going on a mission trip to Mexico, and that we think they're going on the same trip. So we got this huge God connection. So he, he goes, bring your elder stuff. Talk to him about elders. That's kind of what he said. And I go, all right, I'm ready. They didn't, we never did find out where they went, did we? They weren't on the same mission trip. They were not there. But they were in Mexico. So he caused me, like, the day before I'm going to go on a trip to pull out my notes on the bench of three, all this stuff, and I'm, like, reading it, praying about it. All of a sudden, God's giving me downloads on kingdom government. And I'm writing them down. And he told me the mission field is the Congress of the kingdom. I still don't know what that means. I got to chew on that. Um, one thing I know is the Congress is a, like it's a flock of geese. That's why they're always haggling and gaggling. So I don't know. So... If you want to go to Mexico, I'm your man. We'll have to figure out how to get there, um, but there's some logistics, but we can do it. And um, I would ask, as our house, we have a kingdom connection to this place through Rusty and Belinda. We do. Um, pray for Senda Davida. Lift up Renosa in your prayers. If God tells you something, tell me. He broke my heart when I was down there. 
Charlie warned me before I went. He said, this trip's going to totally change you. And it did. I didn't bring any rocks back. There are rocks everywhere. We're in a dump. I didn't find any rocks that I felt were originally placed there, so I didn't think it was meaningful. I think I brought home some dust. That's what's meaningful. Yeah. So, Lord, I thank you for um, your kingdom. I'm glad that it stretches beyond the borders of El Norte. And, Lord, I thank you for Mexico and Reynosa, Senda Davida, March 23rd, for Hector and Mary Lou and their ministry, for Pastor Miguel and Pastor Cantu, and the others that I met while I was there, Lord. Lift up Rena and Luis to you, and lift up Luis, who I, I didn't tell you, but Luis has a broken leg, and he's been in a cast since November. He's a construction guy. He goes to the doctor this Wednesday. So, Lord, we're praying for a good report for Luis so he can get back to work for his family. God, I ask that you send me again. I pray that you tug on someone's heart to go with me. But at the end of the day, I'm going, so that's okay. And I just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's an offering basket up here. If you want to make an offering, it's going to go there. I've got a way to get it there, um, get it directly to Senda Davida. So if you would like to make an offering, please do so. Thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church. To know more about us, go to IdentityChurch.net, where you'll find resources such as a calendar, media, and upcoming events. You may also download an app for your mobile device from the Apple App Store or Google Play. Then from your mobile device, you can hear our messages, read from the Bible, take notes, connect with us on the social media, and even pay your tithe. Again, thank you for tuning in to today's message from Identity Church.